Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that once you get the Holy Ghost, that you might get one true fire baptism in your soul, one sealing, but many refillings? Amen. It hadn't been too long, really, after the apostles had received the Holy Ghost, and they went under a bunch of persecution and difficulty, and Scripture says that they got together and they began to pray, and the Spirit of God came again and just refilled, just poured out His anointing upon them, charged them, gave them strength, gave them courage. I believe we need that. I know I need it. If you don't need it, pour your portion this way. I'll take it. Amen. God bless you. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. I'm happy to be in the house of God. Privileged for us to be together tonight. And under the auspices of the presence of the Lord Jesus, let us turn, um, if you would, Second Timothy chapter three. Been look, looking at these verses of Scripture here for for some time, several services anyway. Um, you know, some of these things you you realize that it's like they have um, portions of them that are revealed, and then God will open more to your heart and open more to your heart of the same Scripture. One of the worst things we can do is whenever a preacher says, well, let's read Second Timothy 3. Oh, I've done heard that. What, once? If you've heard it a million times, you're still probably way short. So we want to always have our hearts open to the Word of God and just see what the Lord will, will say to us. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Wow, that don't sound like a place I want to live. But no matter where you live in this age, unless you're the only one there, and then you might have to worry about yourself, you're going to see this fulfilled. Because all hell is broke loose. But when all hell breaks loose, all of heaven comes down. And then this, the fifth verse, is what makes it so astounding about these things that we just read, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So a form of godliness doesn't scare these type of people. They can be slanderers, liars, false accusers, fierce, and continent, which means lack of self-control. They can be all of these above things, or many of them, and still have a form of godliness. So going to church, don't trouble them at all, because they're going to pick a church where these things aren't preached. So they can feel very comfortable in being there. So, they're, well, God understands. That's okay. We're all, you know, we all make mistakes. And that's so they find a church like that. And they're not going to go to a church, most of them anyway, to where that their hide is tore from pieces to pieces. And then they feel like repenting. And they're not going to go to a place like that. They may go once, but they think, what in the world did I wind up doing there? But for those who really love the Lord Jesus... They want to find a church and a ministry that will tell them the truth. If it cuts them from the pulpit to the back door, deacons and trustees and everybody else included. So we don't want a form of godliness. 
We want godliness. But now think how close this is. Every one of you that's got footers poured in your house or this building here or any building that you would go into that have to be a footer or a sidewalk, it has to have a form. Now, it may be square. It may be, you know, different types of shapes, but there is a form. They will take two befores, two besixes, whatever they're going to do, thin stuff if it need curves and S's and so on inside of it. And that simply only shapes the concrete so the concrete can take on that form. Then what do you do? You leave the, leave the form? Most of the time, no. You take it up and you reuse those boards or those planks or those forms if they're metal. So we don't want a form of godliness to where we pull the spirit, we pull the scriptures, we pull the quotes into our form. And then they take our form. We want the Spirit of God to beat on us and whoop on us and just whatever He has to do to make us take His form. But you see, because of this age we're living, people can do all of these things and have a form of God in us. But this is the demand of us. But denying the power thereof from such turn by. I mean, a lot to be remembered tonight as we pray. Let's just bow our heads if you would. Heavenly Father, as we have already heard many needs and many requests that Brother Joel read earlier, and Brother Wes poured out his heart, Father, in prayer for those requests. Lord, we cannot hear these requests and these needs of your children without feeling for them our brothers and sisters, and some of them we might not even know them by acquaintance or by name, but yet because we have the Spirit of God when we hear other people suffering, it certainly pulls on our hearts. But Lord Jesus, we know that we can bring all of these many, many needs into your great presence, and we ask you that you would be mindful. Now, Lord, many hands were uplifted, and no doubt, in the invisible audience tonight that were streaming, there was more hands that were uplifted, heads that were bowed, and heads that were nodded, signifying their request. Lord Jesus, I have in my hand a prayer cloth for Brother Jeff Nunley. You see, Father, the needs in his body. Lord, I thank you that some things has improved, and we're grateful for that, but he still needs a touch of your mighty hand. I want to preach with it tonight, Lord. This might seem foolish to a lot of people, but Lord, we've seen you do so many things by prayer clause. These people would marvel if they knew all the things that you are doing just with prayer clause around the world. And we are so grateful. So once again, we're going to carry out your word. Let people laugh. Let them scoff. While they're laughing, we'll receive the blessing. So, Father, we simply take you at your word. We confess to you tonight, Lord. We don't understand all there is to know about you. We don't even understand many times how does a prayer cost work. How can a man lay hands on a person standing here and 10,000 miles away? God, at the very instant, can move on that other person that they were standing in for. We don't understand how you do that, but we just simply believe you do. How can you move in people's lives and touch them the way you do? We don't understand all about it, but we're glad to be a part of a move of God to see you still moving, Lord. 
We know from many the only power they have is the power of argument. But Lord Jesus, we don't want just the power to be able to stand for what we believe is right and be able to defend what we believe is right. You didn't say these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall be great debaters and great arguers and great slanderers. But these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. I personally would not be following this message if the supernatural power of God was not in it. I would never put my soul at stake and give my allegiance to a message if the Spirit of God was not there. Father, speak to us tonight, would you? In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. What a powerful word that we have been looking at for several services. I'll call your attention back to the first verse and two words there that Paul uses, last days. The last days is actually a period of time that really began in the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus. But it specifically has an emphasis for the end time. And that will be right before the Lord Jesus will come or the rapture of the church. It will be the time that will certainly be so much pressure and difficulty and stress and strain and sickness and heartache and anxiety. And it's amazing how the Lord down through the ages has given enough insight to the people of God that they would be understanding a portion of where they were in time. But the Lord never really actually gives every incident he never describes it in such a way that you'll be able to know right down to the very minute or the very hour. He knows there is an element of complacency in human beings. So he will forecast prophecy and give the prophecy many times and types and shadows. And we have enough information to keep us looking for the coming of the Lord, but yet not enough information to make us complacent. So he will tell us in the last days. So how long is that? Oh, it could be hundreds of years. It could be decades. It could be months and months and months on end because he does not give a specific date or a specific time or a specific year. But yet, he gives us enough of the information to make every generation that hears it ready to meet him in that hour. Now, no doubt many of your fathers and mothers, your grandfathers and grandmothers, they heard the coming of the Lord preach, the precedent generation, the preceding generation behind us, the one behind them, the one behind them. No doubt the elect of God in every generation since this was written probably believed that this would happen in their time frame. Why did they believe that? 
Because even though the prophecy didn't happen in their time, in their lifetime, yet they had a readiness which would make them ready for the resurrection, even though the rapture would not take place in their day. You see, God is not coming for those who was thinking that it was going to be three months from today or six months from today. So they live their life like they had a whole lifetime before them. And they thought at the very last moment of their life, they would get right with God. They thought the very last hour, you know, they might have a heart attack, their blood pressure might drop down, and they would have enough time to be able to live for the devil and do everything they wanted to do. And then when it got real close on their deathbed, they would give their heart to God. Oh, but alas, when the, earth, when the earthquake hit them, whenever they were in such and such a place on a vacation, and the building fell in around them, and they did not have time to pray. Or they were in a car wreck and someone run them off of the side of the road and in a few seconds they were gone. They did not have time for a deathbed confession. So what does God do? God allocates his word and he anoints his men with an urgency so that everybody that will die in every generation, all the elect, even though they did not live to see the entire fulfillment of it, but yet they will be ready because of the readiness of the hour which they live. But truly, I think we can all say tonight that we believe we are closer than any generation has ever been. Is that right? But yet we know that the Spirit of God prompts us with an alertness. Now, my fathers before me, your fathers before you, their fathers before them. No doubt the Pentecostals in 1906, Laodicea, in the 20s, they thought that they would see it. The 30s, after they saw the falling of sin uh, coming in the roaring 20s as it was, and no doubt they thought they'd never leave to see the 1940s. And then the 40s, when they unfolded to where they were, and then the 50s, and then the destructive 60s, they probably thought we'll never live to see another time. But yet, here we are, and no doubt we'll live to see 2021, most of us. But in reality, did we ever think we would live to see 2021? Well, I certainly didn't. And if we would look forward in time, there's no, no way for us to know exactly how long it will be. But it doesn't really matter to me if it goes on another 50 years and if I would be privileged to live another 10, 20, 30 years, uh, that, that will be all right if that's what the Lord wants for me. But I'm living every day of my life as if though today might be the day. Because it may not be the day of the rapture, but it could be my last day. So I want to live every day so that I'm not waiting for a deathbed confession. I want to have a life that I can live every day that is pleasing to the Lord. And he feels the same way. Now, for you then, the, the elect of God, they have lived under that expectation of the last days in every generation. Now, notice this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And we've done, looked at some of these descriptive terms. Covetous boasters, proud blasphemers. But the notice, the next thing that we'd like to address is that it would be a, a description that would be, wow, it would be so amazing that it would be brought out quite like never before. And that was, it would be directing to the younger generation. 
And that was they would be disobedient to parents. So it suggests an apostasy that reaches such a level in the last days that it would come among the very fabric of society to where that there would be a great eroding of humanity in the home and in the fabric of society to where that children would become so disobedient to parents. And we know that children have been disobedient to parents ever since the fall in the Garden of Eden. And we can look back through the scripture for thousands of years and see that they did so. But it would come to such an explosion it would come to such an increase in number that God felt that it would be something imperative to put upon Paul's heart that he would write it down that the elect of God would see it as a sign of the end time. That children would become so disobedient to their parents. Now it's not just uh, their parents telling them to go here and do that and do this and do that and they didn't do it. But there's so much more involved in this obedience. With this obedience, or the opposite of that would be disobedience, in the obedience there is a reverence to their parents. In the obedience there is an honor. There is a loyalty. There is so much goes with obedience and there's so much lacking with disobedience. You see, when children disobey their parents, it's not just simply, well, I'm not going to do it or I don't do it. Well, they're missing an element of loyalty to those parents. They're missing an element of respect and reverence which should be there. So disobedience is not the only thing that compounds this prophecy in the last days. So children will be be so headstrong. They will be so stubborn. They will become so hard. Notice that Paul said they would be disobedient to parents and then he couples right with that unthankful and unholy. So the character of the times will be so reflected in the, the fabric of society. Now we know that society has many strands and it is made similar to a fabric in the, this shirt here that I have on. Let me see, probably from the field, it's probably 80-20. I would say probably 80% cotton and 20 polyester. Now those of you that know anything about how that it's woven and taken on the threads and then they will mix the threads and then it's run together by thousands and thousands of little thread if it was wool or if it was poly and something else. And each one of them is a thread, a single thread. I certainly couldn't make a shirt out of a single thread. But it's interwoven together. So they take two like this and then weave it this way and that way and that way and then another, then another, then another, then another. And then and it's interwoven together in order to make the fabric of a shirt or a pair of pants or a skirt or a vest or whatever it is. And so is our society. So is our Christianity. So is our nation. So is our walk with God. So there's many little single threads as it was that comes together. So you as an individual, you're one thread. Your wife is another. Your children are another. Then you have society, which is another. You have your Christianity, which is another. You have the nation you live in. 
the politics of the nation you live in. And all of that is interwoven together. Now you take that together and then you slide it real tight. Then you take another strand and another strand and another strand. And before long, look what you've done. Now what you've done is tightened up and you've made a piece of fabric from what looked like something that was so weak and so vulnerable. You by yourself can be a very weak and a very very vulnerable thread. But you tie you to your wife. You put you and your wife together with your children and then you put you and your wife and your children and your family and your friends and your church family and all of those are interwoven together and you take a piece of fabric that is so tightly woven together that it it will never be able to be broken if it's put together with divine love. Now this is why we need each other. Then it should be no marvel to us that Satan will do everything that he can to break away the strands of our woven, interwoven ability that we need one another. Look at another thing that COVID has done to us in that it's pulled a lot of this away from our lives. We can't even have church regularly with the way we used to, praise the Lord. We can't even meet together as families and be able to talk and fellowship, is that right? And have time together, even our kids. Many of our kids are missing it. and Some of the mothers are trying to get some of them together in little groups because even our kids miss being together. Why? We were made to have fellowship. We were made to get together and eat together and be able to talk and have our friends. Why? It is the woven fabric of our lives. So this prophecy shows us that in the last days, even though the children may live under the roof of their parents and they may come in, but yet they will call them the the father old man or call the mother old woman and they will have slang terms by which they will identify them. And they will not respect them like they should, which will uh, definitely, of course, lead to disobedience. And it was such a prophecy that God put upon Paul's heart. Now he could have wrote about the politics and he could have wrote about so many various things. Why in the world would he take this one thing of disobedience to parents? Now, I'm sure that if you keep up with many of the stats of the day that we live, you know that the increase in this decade especially, it is, it is absolutely blown through the statistics of all that has been kept since man has been keeping records of such and that is that our children 18 years and younger are more guilty in this age that we live of such heinous crimes and things that are going on and we have 18 year old 19 year old boys and girls that are in prison for murder uh, for such fierce ravaged crimes that is unbelievable and psychiatrists psychologists are saying this and I found it amazing as I read it just a few minutes ago before I came out that different psychiatrists and psychologists are saying that it is a lie now these are not preachers these are not message people but they are saying that it is a lie in the home of the mother and father and the family unit being bound together and saying that the kids are not being raised with the right type of training you imagine right type of training and the amount of time. But instead of that, they, it's everybody sitting around their own room with their phone in their hand and sisters in her room, brothers in his room, and this one's over here with her movie on. That one's got another movie on. And, and they're saying that the parents don't spend enough time as far as talking with their children. 
and it instilling something in them and then the parents wonder why that many of the, 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 the children do not respect them. Well, praise the Lord. And yet we realize that it was a prophecy of the end time. Now I know that you could spend uh, 24 hours a day around your children and the bottom line is they have to make their own choice as far as what they're going to do. And because your kids are not having anything to do with you doesn't mean that you fail as a parent at all. But our children must be instilled with the right things. Notice that Paul goes then from disobedient to parents to being unthankful. How he would couple this together and show that the prophecy would be in the last days that the children would link together and it would be tied from their behavior and from their character that they would be disobedient to parents but not only disobedient but they would be unthankful. Now this is not just of course to children alone but it goes again with our society. Our society is being taught by politicians that you need everything free. Are you out of your mind? Who do you think pays for all this free stuff that politicians tell you they're going to give you? Don't be ignoramuses. Don't, don't be out of your mind and think that anything is, are, are we crazy? Yes. The majority of the world is out of their mind. And they hear all this free stuff, free this, free that. Friends, it's not free. Somebody has to pay for it. Those who work and pay their taxes, as I've said over and over again, the United States government does not make money. They print it, but they do not make it. It is people who work and pay their taxes and corporation. That's where the money comes from that the politicians promise and give to the people. And what is it done? It is woven into the fabric of our society that people want free, 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 free. And if you tell them they got to work, then they won't vote for you. They'll vote for the man that say, we'll give you free this and free that and free this and free that. Well, come on, children. You might as well say amen because that's what people want. If we're not careful, then it comes right into the church. And people think, well, the church owes me this and the church ought to do that for me. And the church, well, where do we get that at in the Bible? Where do we get that at that the church owes you, that God owes you, that the government owes you. The United States owes you. Well, where do we get this at? But yet it is part of the prophecy of the last day that people fell out. Well, this one owes me and that one owes me and the church owes me this and the church ought to do that for me and the church ought to do that for somebody else. And then they come right on back and they, well, the government ought to do this for me and the government ought to do that. And what does it produce? More unthankfulness in the hearts of such people. And then they go around, you know, wondering, and they got this chip on their shoulder. So, you know, they, well, you ought to do this, and you ought to do that, and you ought to do that. That is not Christianity. Christianity is not feeling like everybody owes you something. It's not what can Christ do for you, what can the church do for you. It's what you can do for him what you can do for the church. Now, I realize this don't go very well, but that's okay. I'm going to preach it anyhow. Myself, the way I look at it, maybe I look at it wrong, I'd rather go around picking up chewing gum off the parking lot and picking up papers off the parking lot, and I'm not going to hand the deacons or trustees a bill for that because I would count it an honor to be able to do something for the house of God or for the people of God. Come on, saints. Uh, You know, I, I, I don't anything that I do for the people of God or for the people of God around the world, I don't bro. 
broadcast it. I don't let people know about it. And many of the brothers that have stood here in this pulpit from around the world, and they tell me back down that other little brother Donnie, I want to thank the church for I said, don't you do it. Don't you say one word. Why? Because I'm not looking to be bragged on. Jesus said, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And what does it do if we're not careful? It creates to where we want all that praise in this life. And when we get it here, we have got our reward. And it produces more unthankfulness in people with an ungrateful heart. Now, what's this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22? Notice the great man Solomon. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. And there must have been some sort of tendency that whenever mothers would get old. Now, I wonder why that would be. Well, let's just look at it in fact of reality. Most of us, whenever we had a normal, you know, a normal mother and she was not incapacitated somehow, uh, it would take us probably years for us to ever be able to repay all that our mother sacrificed and our father in raising us and working and buying us food and the sacrifices and so on that they did. And then sometimes it comes your turn to turn right around and to be able to take care of your mother which took care of you when you couldn't change your own diaper. Now, you know, that can become quite a difficult thing for us because all of us Laodiceans are so busy. We have so much to do in this age. And we've got so many places to go and so many things to do. And as I've said, be nice to your children because they pick the nursing home you go to. Well, it's the truth now because wonder why. Now, do, do older people become a burden? Yeah, sort of like you were when you were a child, except they just got more age. Are oh, you saying my mother's so stubborn? You saying you wasn't when you was a baby? You think it was a pleasure for your mama? She set you in the high chair and fed you green peas out of baby food? And you took that green pea mouthful and you splattered it all over your face and all over mama. You think mama enjoyed that, do you? You think it was such a great privilege for mama to change her wet, stinking diaper when you was a youngin? And she done it for how many ever years you wore those things? Well, praise God. But you see, we are raising and have been. You understand now that a lot of our politicians that are in Congress are in Senate and mayors and, and all of that. They are come from the generation that prophetically this cycle started growing actually several decades ago. So we have them are the ones that are the lawmakers. So they're the ones that's going to start pushing all this free stuff which will start out in a socialistic view and the people would jump right on the bandwagon oh my we got free college we got free health care we got free this and free that and they'll rah 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 and rally 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 and then you're giving up this right and that right and that right and that right and you know what people are so ignorant and so dumb they'll fall right in behind him until they're so far in and then they wake up and realize dear God what have we done 
But you know that God give us these warnings so that we would be able to be aware of the time we're in. Now notice how important that children obeying their parents are. Now please listen to me carefully so you don't misunderstand what I'm gonna say. Actually, uh, children obeying their parents is older than Christianity. Now think of it, Christianity was founded over 2,000 years ago. Children obeying their parents is older than Christianity. It is older than a written Bible. It is older than a church house. Praise God. Now this is a principle that goes so far back in God that it's in the Old Testament. Now when Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and remember that Moses was given these Ten Commandments on two tablets, so iPad and iPod and all them think they're really something because they come up with a tablet. Well, Moses had two before iPad ever did. So God hews out, oh you didn't know that, huh? God hews out two tables or tablets of stone and God engraved five on one and five on the other. Well let's just go to tablet one and we'll go down to the bottom of the page and the last commandment on that page is this commandment in Exodus 20 and that is that children should be honor their father and their mother. Now the Hebrew word here of course is going to lead not just to obedience, but obedience was honor and respect. You see, God doesn't just want us to, as, as children, to obey our parents or those that have the rule over us. He doesn't just want us to do it to say that we did it. And, he, you know, basically it's null and void if we do it with a wrong attitude. But he wants us to do it out of honor and respect. And children that are raised to disrespect their parents and to break the laws and the guidelines that their parents have for them, what kind of citizens do you think they're gonna make in the United States of America? What kind of citizens do you think? Now, if they disobey mom and dad, then they're gonna disobey traffic laws. And they will disobey hunting laws, fishing laws, tax laws. Well, praise the Lord, because they learn this at home and they learn how to play the system. And they learn how to manipulate. And what does it do? It makes a wicked, perverse generation. Now, what is God trying to do in order to instill this in the parents? So that the parents can curb this rebellion inside of their children before they ever become adults. Notice this in Ephesians 6.1, the way Paul words it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now notice how he places this in the Lord. Apparently by this time, when the book of Ephesians was written, there was already children that had gotten saved and given their heart to God, and they were trying to serve the Lord, and some of their parents were the Romans or Greeks or whatever more and they were trying to get their children to disobey God's word. So Paul had to add this into this word in order to give the Christian children the proper perspective. Now some of them no doubt have been questioning and understand well if my daddy uh, tells me to cut my hair off if my daddy tells me to do this and that and God tells me uh, don't do that. Should I do it? Paul should I do it? So Paul included these little powerful words in the Lord. So if you're a Christian and your father or your mother tells you to do something contrary to the word, then guess what? You put God first. 
That's right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So then this duty of obedience ties right back to the old covenant. For the first duty of children was obedience, and they must be taught it. Oh, you say it should come automatic. It does not come automatic. Because when man fell, what he instilled in us by the fallen Adamic nature that we received, it was rebellion, it was stubbornness, and, and these are found in the heart of a child. This is why the Old Testament so emphasized on the correction of a child. And how that a child left alone would bring shame to his mother and reproach to his father. Why? Because a child left alone was naturally go toward the tendons of rebellion and hard-headedness and deceit, well preached Brother Donnie, and toward those things which are not right before God. And it will not come automatic. What comes automatic to our children is to lie, to fabricate things that are not true, and to be stubborn and hard-headed. Well, thank you, Jesus. And you've got yourself to thank for that because a lot of that they got from you. And what they didn't get from you, they got from your daddy and her daddy and her grandpa and your uncle. So you can't blame the kids per se. Praise the Lord. So God looks. Now this is what God wants to instill. Remember your children are like mine and like my grandchildren and all, all other of the children on the earth that they are not born saved. They are not born with the principles of understanding everything about God. Now they have a conscience and we know that the man moved out of the Garden of Eden from the dispensation of innocence into the dispensation of conscience. And then the conscience must be taught. Now there's certain things that nature will teach you. As Paul tapped into it when he said about a man having long hair. He said, does not nature itself even teach you this and this and this? So there are certain things that nature itself will teach you. But there's other things that we are accountable for that we must teach our children. This is why God told the people in the Old Testament, instill these to your children. Teach them to your children because it was not written on the conscience of the children, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was not born on the conscience of those children. So they must be taught the Ten Commandments. And then they will be taught by failures and weaknesses. So they were taught then by the prophecy of Jeremiah. They were taught by the prophecy of Isaiah. They were taught when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Jerusalem. And the temple was burned. And I saw just this just last week a documentary and saw some pictures as well of timbers that they've dug now to where uh, the original temple actually was dated back to 586 B.C. Whenever Nebuchadnezzar had sent the armies in there and they burned and destroyed the first temple and they actually just about 10 years ago uncovered some of the ashes and some of the charred wood from the original temple that was there. Now you imagine how that this must have run over those people when they saw this there. They, they dug up a places of where the city of David was. Used to be a parking lot on the outside 
fortified wall of Jerusalem and they dug it up here just a few years ago. And they, Josephus wrote and said that there were some people that was found under the steps. So they found the steps coming from the pool of Siloam and those steps are several thousand years ago. And the Romans when they was coming through conquering the city on the incline of those steps going up to the place of worship, some of the Jews hid underneath there so they took sledgehammers and busted up the steps and when they do, they drug out these Jews. What did they just recently found some of the pots where they had their food and they found the food that was inside of there and did the dating on it, dated back to 70 AD. So here was the very things that they had said. Yet if they would have listened to the words of the Lord Jesus when he was right there. Now the Mount of Olives, for those of you that have not been there, it is within distance of the mount of where the temple is. So it's right across the Kidron Valley. If you're standing here in Jerusalem and you look directly this way, there will be the Mount of Olives. This is where the Lord Jesus came and he wept over the city and he cried. And he said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would have gathered you together as a hen doth gather her brood, but you would not. Now your house is left unto you desolate. It will come a time, he said, that there won't be one stone that will be left upon another. Of course, we know Titus come through and did what he did. The same with Jeremiah. And God said, take these words, take these things, and rehearse them to your children. Don't just tell them the good things, but tell them what will happen if they disobey. What, what's the use of that, Brother Donnie? It is to instill in the conscience of our children. Now remember the conscience will be a guide along with a godly father and a godly mother and it will be there the rest of their life and yet the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way it should go and when he gets old it will not depart from it. The prophet when quoting that he said it didn't say that the child would not depart from it but it will not depart from the child. So we instill in our children those things and then they have that conscience there inside of them. And that is a deposit that is a great thing. But the conscience is not the Holy Ghost because others can come and start reshaping what the conscience has stored. And then they say, oh, you don't need to do that. You don't have to worry about that. And what are they doing? Reprogramming the conscience of our children and telling them this ain't wrong and that ain't wrong and that ain't wrong. Come on now, saints. And until our children get the Holy Ghost, it is still such an important thing that we reestablish these truths. This is one thing I think it's so good. Brother West, you know, trying to get together with our young people and have meetings and talks and the things that we do. Don't you appreciate that? It is important for us to go back and say, this is why we believe it. Peter said, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir up your minds by way, your pure minds by way of remembrance. So God wanted their conscience to be pricked and to this truth to be instilled inside of them. But yet we know that the conscience alone will never be able to change our nature. We must be born again. So the first duty of the children then is to be able to obey. Why? Because Paul said, because this is right. This should be the greatest desire and the most pleasurable fulfillment that a child of God has in obeying the word. This should be our major principle for motivating us to obey any portion of God's word because it is right. 
I don't do it because I'm going to get preached on. I don't do it because well, other deacons is going to get me if I don't. I, I don't do it because mama will get me or daddy will get me. I do it because it's right. And I want to do what's right. Amen. So we don't do it out, out of fear of hell. We don't dress a certain way or do this a certain way or that a certain way because we're afraid we'll go to hell. We do it because we believe it's the right thing to do. Amen. Now, notice then children should be addressed then by their parents trying to instill this in them that Paul even wrote especially to the fathers that the fathers would not be angry with their children. Now fathers and mothers of course can try to correct their children but if they do it in the spirit of anger or in the spirit of bitterness do you understand your own spirit by which it is delivered can render that promise almost useless to the hearer like a preacher trying to preach whenever he's mad. Right. Or a preacher trying to study because I'm going to get Jim Babb tonight. I'm going to burn him up. Boy, I'm going to get Harry. I'm going to, a man shouldn't even get in the pulpit with that attitude. Now, if the Holy Ghost uses, uses my mouth to get you, that ain't me. And don't you point your finger at me because I didn't want to do it in the first place. But if the Holy Ghost wants to use a man to do it, then it ain't the man. If the man wants to do it to you and the man tries to use the pulpit to get a score at you, that man ought to be ashamed of himself. Praise the Lord. That's exactly right. We should not preach in human anger. We should not preach in revenge. And I'm going to get back at Brother West. No, no, no. That This is a sacred place. It should be that we surrender to God. My, there's many a night, many a sermon I've left here and cried and my goodness, fight all hell the next day and go through the office thing ever was because I had to preach so hard and preach so stern. And I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt in my mind that some people would think it was me throwing things at them. Or it would be people who stream and they would get it. Always throwing that at us and throwing that at this one and throwing that at that one. Well, I can expect carnal people to understand that, especially people that ain't never preached in the first place. They don't have a clue what they're even talking about. Well, praise the Lord. Can you can you sisters imagine me? Now, I've never made a cake in my life. And some of you had made probably thousands of your life. Can you imagine me being able to sit down and tell you sisters how to make a cake and say this apple spice cake is your specialty and you're known for it. I mean, every dinner that the church ever had, you break it and you're going to let me tell you how to make that apple spice cake. You'll be the life and stock of the whole get together. Why? Because I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, it's the same way with people that ain't never preached a sermon in their life trying to tell a man of God who's operated under the anointing for decades how he ought to do this, that, and other. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. But yet the Spirit of God wants to get it over to us what an important thing it is that the children obey, not only little wee children now, but the children of the gospel. Let's bring it on down now into another layer of threads inside the woven fabric of our life. The elders that God sent among us and the apostolic fathers that God established this word with. We want to obey our parents too. So our apostolic fathers baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, but the Catholic fathers baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Which father are you going to obey? Well, praise God. Notice this. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. 
Now, you know, really true religion, let me say it this way, when we get religion right, when we get it in our head and our heart and our soul and everything about us, it will reflect itself in our nursery at home. It will reflect itself in our living room. It will reflect itself in our workshop, in the barn, on the job, wherever you are. Everything that you are will have to be totally affected by your true birth if you have a real birth. And so is it in the way that we raise our children. And we know, of course, that God demands this. Notice this, and he tells us according to this, this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now we begin up here, of course, commandment. One, two, three, four, five. There was no promise which was annexed into the promise of thou shalt have no other gods before me. There was no annexation of a promise that was incorporated into the second commandment, the third commandment, nope. But here is the first commandment that a promise was associated with it or annexed to it. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, Paul says, with promise. So what was the promise? The promise was honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Is it any wonder, friends, in the last 50 years we have had such an increase of deaths in young people? Is it any wonder that we have had such an increase of young people that take their lives and don't even want to live and an increase of young people that are murdering others? I wonder if it don't go back a lot of them more than too long after they got out of the cradle because they started mouthing mama and mouthing daddy and disrespecting and fussing and arguing. Are you going to agree with everything your daddy tells you to do? Well, of course you're not. But you are not going to go with me nor with God by standing up and rebuking your father or your mother well preach brother Donnie you have to honor them. Oh, but Brother Donnie, they, they can be wrong. Why, of course they can be wrong. That is part of having an understanding of being able to honor your father's position and don't mean that you totally agree with everything that he said. You ain't gonna sit here and tell me that you totally agree with everything I preach and everything that Brother Darrell preaches or even understand everything that Paul said. But I honor his position whether I understand it or not. There's things I do and things I preach and the way that I do things simply because the Bible says and because the prophet of God said so, not because I understand why I do it. I do it because I'm told to do it. And I honor the men above me and God will hold them responsible, not me. Well, praise the Lord. But you see, people associate honor with understanding. Well, if I understand everything Brother Donnie says, I'll do it. You'll wind up in hell. If I understand everything my mom and daddy tell me to do. No, no, no. You understand what they will allow you. Sometimes you have to trust what they tell you to do. There's many things God leads us along this journey. He owes us no understanding. But we owe him obedience. Oh my. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, can you imagine that God would annex or add a promise unto this instead of the Lord thy God is one? Thou shalt make no graven image. 
God did not add a promise to that commandment. God did not add a promise to the commandment, thou shalt not take thy neighbor's wife or anything that is his thy neighbor's. You mean this is so important to God that God actually annexed or added a promise, an extension, a promise of your days will be long. Friends, this must be very important to the Lord. Notice this, verse three, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. I wonder if this is why every generation is getting shorter and shorter in their lifespan. Look at Brother Calvin, Sister Ruth, and others here that, that's up in their 80s and their 90s. Let me just go ahead and tell you, most of us will never live that old, even if time went on, because we've degenerated so much with the, with the eating of all the foods and the chemicals and our water and our air everywhere around us. Come on, man is destroying us. But yet many of those that are around us will do good to see their 50s and their 60s. And a lot of it is not because of chemicals. It is not because of just the poor nutrition, the food. It is because of the way they treated their mom and dad. Because you see, this is the first commandment with a promise that if you honor your father and your mother, well, I will till I get out of the house. You honor them till they are gone. I don't mean you agree with them, but you honor the position they hold, right? Well, my goodness, I didn't realize it's going to be so quiet in here tonight. Notice that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long. Now this is, this, I find this so amazing, that this commandment is associated with longevity of life. You all take vitamin B1 and B12 and B50 and B6 and B49 and B47 and you take C and D and Y and X and the compilation of this root from down in South America and a monkey swung off of over here and done that and eat that and boy, you just take everything in the world to long your life. Right here's something that'll give you long days, friend. Oh my. Notice that he says in verse four, and you fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So the breakdown of family discipline and the ungrateful attitude of the children. And then what do those children do? They grow up and they, they grow up to become mature. And then they're no longer children, but they still have that ungrateful attitude. You do this and this and this and this for them. How many of them can say, thank you? Something that is so simple and cost us nothing, I wonder how many of our kids do it. What are we raising many times? Spoiled, undisciplined children, which inevitably will become spoiled, undisciplined adults. So you take a spoiled, undisciplined boy, and he marries a spoiled Undisciplined girl. Ooh, Jesus. I feel sorry for me when that happens. You say you, yeah, me. I'm the one who has to deal with it. Because Jimmy might need to open that door. It's getting awful warm in here. You see, friends, the prophet has taught us that much of what we become when we are children is what we will be the rest of our lives. 
So our children, it's all, oh, let them go, let them go. They'll, they'll get out of it. Where do, you, where do you read that at? Where do you get that, that they will grow out of it? How can they grow out of your laziness by not teaching them? Sweet Jesus. Mama. So what do we see? We see reflecting in our present society such things. And this will be one of the final marks of the final apostasy. It will be this attitude of starting out being disobedient to parents that will make them hoodlums on the street. It will make them, you see, the parents that did not raise their children right and begin to slack off in the 50s. By the time they got into their teens in the 60s, they were ripe for the beetles and the monkeys. They were ripe for rock and roll. Then those who did not discipline their children in the 60s, they were ripe for the rebellion of the 70s, of all the drugs. And come on now. Oh my, we could go on and on and on. What a privilege we have as Holy Ghost filled parents to raise our children. In a way, oh, we cannot make them serve God, of course not. But if we instill that in them, we have the promise of God's word. They will never get away from it. Now, with our children, may God help us that we can be able to do such. Notice this, and Paul goes on to say that they will be disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, which means they will think they have a right to all these things. Then it will not, it changes their view. It changes, you say, what's wrong with that? It changes their view, their mentality that people owe them. If you do this and this and this and this and this for them, you owe that to them. It does not even come second nature for them to thank you for it. You owe that to them. You're their father. You're their mother. You're their grandfather. You're their grandmother. You're their uncle. You ought to give them what they want. You ought to give them what they need. Oh, goodness. Boy, the streamers that stream me, and they love these Wednesday night services for whatever reason. The streamers that love to stream and find fault so they can make YouTube videos about me. They ought to really have a lot of series after tonight. <laughs> Unthankful, unholy. Notice in verse three, without natural affection. Now friends, you're talking about reaching the bottom of the pit. Now we're moving into a stage of the prophecy that the majority of humanity on the earth will be lower than animals. They won't have what naturally humans have had for thousands of years. They, now notice he doesn't say godly affection, but just natural affection. The affection that a woman should have when she finds out she's with child. The love, the care, the, all the planning and all that goes in, the affection that, that a woman should have when this thing is growing inside of her body. But in the age that we live, 
They're so far fallen from what humanity used to be. They'll go to a doctor and have him perform a procedure and take that thing from her body and throw it in the trash without natural affection. I saw a little clip of a, of a video this week. It was from a doorbell of a home that has a video cameras there. And this young woman brings her three-month-old baby to these people's house. She rings the doorbell, rings the doorbell. It's video recording it there. And whenever she hears them coming, she sets the baby by the door and takes off running, leaving. Leaving a three-month-old child with strangers. Can you imagine a hog doing that? Can you imagine a, a mother bear in the spring? Because when the mother bear comes out and her, her, her babies, her cubs have been born. She hasn't eaten anything since October. And they're born in February, into February, 1st of March, in a little cellophane sack. And they will, they will come out of that sack being blind and they will find their mother and begin to nurse on their mother. Now their mother's sound asleep. The mother knows nothing about it. But the mother will be there in hibernation asleep. She hasn't eaten anything since October. And she will nurse those little cubs, two, sometimes three. And she will nurse them until she wakes out of her hibernation. By then, she's lost up to 40% of her body weight. But when she goes out, and she now has this new responsibility, walk up to her and ask her, if you can kill one of her babies. Be found in the woods turkey hunting in the spring and run across her and see what she does. If you live to tell the story of I me. Mean. Be sure and take your iPhone with you. I want to see it. Now what is it? Here this is something natural to animals. A bobcat will claw your eyes out. A dog will bite you over her young. Look at all of animal instinct. It, friend, just, just being a mammal, and we are the highest of animal life, being a warm-blooded mammal should have something in us by instinct. What would make a mother do that? What would make a father be able to kill his children? Why? You know, it's just more than I can comprehend. But it's prophecy being fulfilled. To where that people look at their children and they're, they're able to take them. And we really didn't hear about it all the time. Where that a father will kill his kids and a mother will drown her children and think absolutely nothing about it. What is it without natural affection? Now we're not talking about just folks that don't have the Holy Ghost. But people that being a human being should have a natural love for a child. Or a natural love for a mother. But you know as I, well as I know that families right now are having some of the greatest struggles they've ever had down through time. And some of your children have treated some of you parents like dogs. Yeah. 
You have provided for them. You have raised them. You have loved them. And they have broken your heart over and over again. And you think, what What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? It's the hour that we're living, mother and father. It's the time that we're living in. May God help us that we don't fall into this slot. Without natural affection, or as, as one of the translators writes it, it is the lack of family love. The lack of family love. Oh, it's got to be my way, my way, my way. It's, it's this way I see it, this way I see it. You're not the only one in the family, honey. There's other members of the family besides you. It ain't all about you. It ain't all about the father. It ain't all about the mother. It ain't all about number one child or number two child or number 33 child. It's about the fabric of the family. It's not Happy Valley. It's not all about the Reagan family. It's not all about the Yance family or the Babb family. It's about the family of God. Come on, church. You see, but as it goes, something will replace this natural love. Oh, God, help us. This natural love, which so should be in men and women's heart. Now, we're not just talking about regenerate people, but the natural thing. That would cause a bear don't have the Holy Ghost. A hog don't have the Holy Ghost. A fox don't have the Holy Ghost. But yet, it's given to them naturally to love their young. They will die for their young. My, you ever see a fox or get around a fox and a fox finds a, where, where a, a goose or a, or a duck has laid a nest or put her eggs and maybe got them little ducks out of them little goslings there and you know what that, that little mother will do? She'll get out there and walk around and cripple herself. She'll act like she's crippled. She'll get over in front of that fox and, and she'll draw her wing and she'll and she'll act like she's wounded. Why? It's something instilled in that duck or that goose or a bird trying to pull that fox away from her babies. She knows she can fly, but her babies can't get away. If an animal will do that, what in the world is matter with our men and women in our society today? Lord, children, it's beyond redemption. Think of it. It can do nothing but get worse and worse. Oh, Lord Jesus. God help us. What is it? The glue that holds our society together will totally fall apart. Jesus prophesied about it and said children will turn against their parents. Parents will turn against their children. Did he not? But here he's speaking in the class that humans will become lower than brute beasts. Without natural affection. Notice this next word. Truce breakers. It's the same word in the English language as implacable. Which means it's the attitude of a person unwilling to make a truce or to agree to peace under any circumstance. A vicious fighter who fights just for the love of fighting. Now for any of you that love a good fight and you'd rather fight than make peace, you better get that thing off you. That is prophecy of apostasy in the last day. 
truce breakers. Notice now he goes into this thought. False accusers. I'll tell you what, I just about was blown away when I looked at the meaning of this word. And I've had this studied out now for a couple of months maybe. But when I, I found this, I thought, my goodness, can, can that be true? False accusers. Look at the word. Diablos. Devil. So a false accuser. God identifies that as a devil. Diablos. Notice what it means. False accusers. Devil. Slanderer. Prone to slander. Accusing falsely. Now you see, these types of people, they strive constantly to ruin the character of others. Venting their hatred and their indignation on others with no regard to truth. They rail against others and accuse others. Well, well, well. Y'all be seeing me off of Interstate 26 out there tomorrow with a sign. We'll work for food. Can I have a few more minutes of your time? Notice in Numbers 14, 36. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. Now this is a different word because it's the Hebrew language versus the Greek. It's dibah, which means whispering, defamation, evil report, or unfavorable saying. Now notice what God, his view of these people. So now they go to the land and they get in the message, I mean the land, and they go to searching the land or the message. And they go to finding grapes. Nah, they go to finding all kinds of good things. But they also go to finding things that they think are false. And they go to finding issues and things that they just cannot resolve. So when they come back, they actually slander the land. I hope you understand this is what's happening in our time. Praise be to God. Now, Caleb and Joshua were right there. They saw the same things. They saw the same, you know, the difficulty. They saw the same walls. They saw the same giants. They probably didn't understand how they were going to face them either. But they kept looking at the promise and not feeding on the slander. Amen. Notice then, so they brung up a slander upon the land. Now look at the same word again in Numbers 14, 37. Even those men that did bring up an evil report, the word report there is actually the same word here, so it is evil slander upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. Psalms 31, 13, for I have heard the slander of many, 
Fear was on every side. You see, this is what slander does. Because no matter how rotten it is, how full of lies and hypocrisy it is, there are some people that would much rather hear slander than hear the truth. So then the people that are being slandered, or in this case, the land in the book of Numbers that was being slandered, it always produces an element of fear. Why? Because there's always an element of natural carnal people that won't even check it out. Hallelujah. Notice this. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me. Who? The slanderers. The slanders were taking counsel against David, he said. They devised to take away my life. Verse 14, but I trusted in the Lord. Oh, Lord, I said, thou art my God. But listen what God's view is about people who slander. Whoso privily slanders, slanders his neighbor. And the word neighbor is friend, companion, intimate fellow, or a fellow citizen. Him will I cut off. Every person that slanders the children of God, every person that slanders a servant of God, every person that slanders William Branham and his message, you will not face me. You will not face Happy Valley. This is what God said about you. That he would cut you off. Now friends, this is serious. Who you, who you send this to, Brother Donnie? Me, Jim Babb, Skip Walker, every man that's here, every woman that's here, every person that streams this service. There's no exemptions here. There's no exemptions for the Branham family, the Reagan family, or whoever more. Everybody who does this, I don't care who you are, how long you've been saved, this is God's attitude. Who's so privileged? Now, we're not talking about folks that do it publicly. But whoso that does it in a private setting. Can you imagine God's view of those who do it in a public setting? Whoso privily slanders his neighbor, him will I cut off. Look what the word means. Cut to be put an end to, destroy, exterminate, terminate, be annihilated. So this is the end of everyone who slanders God's people. You will be forever destroyed. Well, I believe every word. No, you don't. You're a liar. If you say you believe the Bible, many of these folks that so left the message and they so love their Bible, oh, really? You love this verse. Then when you slander the people of God, in the face of this verse, you're telling God, I don't believe that verse. Praise the Lord. Now, friends, this is serious. Oh, I know I ain't making you shout. Some of you going to pout on me. I didn't say it already. I love you so much. I'm going to tell you the truth. Even if you get so mad at me. Oh, my. Boy, y'all didn't, oh, today like you did Sunday. Oh, you said, oh. 
Thank you, Jesus. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Proverbs 10, 18. He that hideth hatred. Notice how hatred can be hid with lying lips. Oh, I don't hate Brother Dave. I, I don't hate Brother Jeremy. I don't hate, but I'll take one thing. I'm. You're hiding your hatred with lying lips. Best thing to do with hatred is put it under the blood. Let Jesus deliver you from it. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth slander is a fool. Or the Hebrew word says one who is stupid. I know that's not popular to say, but when have I ever worried about that? People who spread slander are fools. Now, as I said, that covers everybody from the pulpit to the back door. And those on the internet. And those who love to stream Wednesday night so they can find more slandering material on Thursday morning. Just remember you. God will make you answer. Go ahead and crack your smile and laugh. These aren't my words. These are God's words. Praise the Lord. What is it, friends? Part of the spirit of the last days. When people will slander and lie and ridicule and make fun of God's children and feel no fear. None. I know it's hard for you to imagine because some of y'all are scared to death right now. You're just sitting there. But there are people this very moment streaming this service with smirky grins on their faces and can't wait to make part three of their video. Why send away their day of grace? No fear. Ridicule the people of God. Make fun of the prophet of God. Call the servants of God liars and whatever more. And think they're doing God a service. May God help us. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, he that uttereth slander is a fool. Let's jump down here just to Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 10. I heard the defaming, which is the same word, slander in the Hebrew, of many fear on every side. Now, this is what it was doing to Jeremiah. I heard the defaming of many and fear on every side. Report, say they. We will report it. Or in our day, we will record it. Look what the word report means. To be conspicuous. Tell. Make known. To publish. Declare. Proclaim. So here they were doing this and slandering Jeremiah because Jeremiah blasted them. <laughs> you think I'm a hard preacher? 
Read the book of Jeremiah. I'm a boy scout. I mean, I'm in the kitchen with a paring knife compared to that guy. And they hated the man. They put him down in a miry pit. They done everything to this man. And then they started trying to slander his character to get people to doubt his message. And Jeremiah said this, I heard the defaming or the slander of many. Fear on every side. Reports say they. We will report it. All my familiars watch for my halting or my stumbling. Saying, peradventure, he will be enticed and we shall prevail against him. You see, friends, it's the very same spirit that gets on people today. It's the very same spirit that was on the Pharisees when they sent people to hear Jesus. And the Bible said they sent them so they might catch him in his words. Some of these folks would have done what they're doing today if they lived in the days of the Lord Jesus. They'd had their website in the days of the Lord Jesus. Instead of it being about Brother Branham and about Brother Tim Pruitt, about me and other brothers, you know who they'd be attacking? The Lord Jesus. They got the same devil on them that the Pharisees had on them. Because they tempted him. They want to catch him in his words. Only people anointed with an evil spirit do such. And you think you've got the Holy Ghost. Oh my. Notice what they said. We shall take, we shall prevail against him. And we shall take our revenge on him. Mama. Don't have that attitude, friends. Somebody does something against you, don't want revenge. Pray for them. Pray for them. That God will forgive them. That God will help them. You understand? Remember, we're Christians. We're not Hebrew people living under the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We pray for their forgiveness. It runs in our family. Our brother, when they were stoning him, and when he preached, and oh, they got so angry, and they got so furious. They run on my brother, Stephen. They were so mad. They gnashed him like a wild dog. Don't you see what happened? The last days had begun. Those religious people had turned into wild animals. They gnashed on Stephen with their teeth. Mike Tyson's not the first one to bite people's ears off. Can you imagine people being so insane? Brother Phil, so mad that they hear a preacher preach and they get so mad. That they gnashed, they bit him, blood coming in their mouth, and they kept on biting and biting like a wild dog. Hide me, Lord Jesus. It amazes me because some folks who used to sit here have turned into such rabid animals. Folks that have sat all around the world in message churches. And look at their attitudes. It's like the little boy that come to the man running the bar. And he said, sir, your sign's down. 
And he said, oh, okay, thank you, Sonny. So he goes out there and he looks and he said, Sonny, my sign's not down. There it is, Joe's Bar. I looked at my, you know, whatever his name was, my sign's not down. He said, no, I mean your best sign. And there lay a drunk in the gutter. So Joe's Bar's sign might have been so pretty. Might have cost him a lot of money to put it up. But his best sign was the life Joe's Bar was producing. People can argue and debate and fuss their theology. I'm not really interested in that. I want to see what kind of life it produces. So if you want me to leave this and follow you, let me see what kind of life you got. Sitting holding beer in your hands. Some of you men have got rid of your old life and now you're getting it back again. You want me to leave this and follow that? No, thank you. No, thank you. I'll stay with this. It's brought me safe thus far. And I believe it'll finish me in my journey. I was out of my mind at one time in religion. Yeah, I was out of my mind before. I didn't like it. I've come to myself. And I flew out of this barnyard that's just a faint memory in my mind. I don't never want to go back again. Don't you love him? Let's bow our heads together if you would. Oh, Lord Jesus, as an American, as a citizen of the United States, as a Tennessean, it breaks my heart to say such things. It makes me feel so sad to see that our generation, our people, and even some that used to sit here with us have turned into such brute beasts. That's what the Bible calls them, brute beasts. Jude and Peter referred to them in such terms because they'd got so low. The people there that, oh, they were religious But they got so angry and so furious that they would actually bite and tear the flesh off of a son of God filled with the Holy Ghost because he told them the truth. But Stephen didn't say, God, I pray you'd get back at them. God, send lightning bolts out of heaven and kill them. But he said, I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. It must have been overwhelming when they heard you say that, Lord Jesus. But here is another man, not Jesus, but another man on the earth whose life had passed away and he got married to a new nature. And here is a mortal man born in sin but reborn by the Spirit of God displaying the very same nature of Jesus Christ. He didn't pray for wrath and judgment but forgive them. Help us, Lord God, as your people. I don't want to be these things I've read, Lord. I don't want to be incontinent. And even as there's more that lays in these verses, Father, that they would become fierce, fierce, which describes, again, animals in the rage of anger, demonic oppression and possession, fierce, not gentle, 
not sweet, not filled with the Holy Spirit, but they have murder on their minds. Lord, whenever something gets on us to murder the character or murder the reputation of folks we go to church with, it is an evil spirit, not the Spirit of God. Even if something would get between us and a brother, we are instructed what to do. The prophet has told us to recognize it's just the devil trying to get between you and that brother. And he said, pray for him that he'll be saved too. So apparently that man professing to be a brother wasn't all he thought to be. But our instruction is don't get even with him. Don't keep a record of it. Well, he called me this, I'll call him that. He called me this, I'll call him that. But forgive him and pray for him. Lord God, help us, I pray. Jesus, we've been preaching this about the spirit of the last days. This is what's on the outside. This is what's so prevalent in the world. But there's another spirit anointing another people. Oh, God, to get ready to leave this world. That's the one we want on us. Lord Jesus, help us. We don't want the anointing, them little mocking cousins had. But Lord Jesus, we want the spirit that was on that little bride that was washing the dishes. Whenever this great rich man come out when she throwed out the dishwater and asked her, would she marry him? She labored under the strain. She labored under the slander. They ridiculed her. They criticized her. They made fun of her. But Lord, we don't have any example where she ever got on there and told them how rotten and filthy and cursed they was as far as out of anger and all that sort of thing. No doubt she felt sorry for him. All she knew was he told her he's coming back for her. And she simply believed it. Help us, Lord, that we can be like that. One day soon, we will hear the sound of that heavenly buckboard as it comes rolling through the skies. Praise be to God. As Jacob of old, so many years ago in the midst of famine, hallelujah, and he and his tribe looked up, and here comes from the land of Egypt, one wagon after another after another, bringing dates and figs, all kinds of dried fruits and wines and breads and cheeses from the land of Egypt coming to pack them away. Hallelujah. Because Joseph the Savior had spoke on their behalf and spoke their redemption into existence. Our Lord Jesus has ascended up into the heavens before the throne of God. Hallelujah. He's sending us a buckboard filled with resurrection and healing and deliverance. He spoke on our behalf. Hallelujah. He's sending down to gather them from France, from Switzerland, from Tennessee, from Arkansas, from Florida, from Illinois, from around the world to gather them, to take them to Father's house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, if there's one of us here tonight that's not ready, may we be ready, Lord. We love you, Heavenly Father. Purge us. 
wash us, cleanse us with hyssop, and we shall be clean, O God. Search us, Lord. Begin with me tonight, Father. If you find anything in me that's unlike you, if you find anything in me, Lord, toward any individual, Lord God, show it to me so I can make it right. If there's any bitterness, any anger, any strife, if I've slandered anyone, Father, show me. I'll apologize publicly. Oh, Lord God, I will not apologize for what your word says or what you've anointed me to say. But for anything that I have done, Donnie Reagan, show me. I'll make it right. I want to walk to those gates, Lord Jesus. I want you to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Anybody in here tonight willing to raise your hands and say, me too, Lord. If I've done anything or said anything, if I've slandered any of your children, Lord, if I've slandered any servants of God, forgive me. Lord, even if I've slandered people out of getting even, trying to get even, forgive me, Lord. That's not your spirit. That's not the spirit of Christ. Forgive me, Lord. I want to be like you. Don't you understand, friends, when we take our battles into our hands, we take them out of his hands. Leave them into his hands. He knows how to fight. You just turn the cheek, keep the right attitude. Oh, it's hard, Brother Donnie. Tell me about it. I understand. It's hard, but it can be done. Let's just worship him a little bit together now. Don't you love him with all your heart? Oh, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just worship Him together. Let the great searchlight of God just search down in your heart and your soul and your mind. You got any aught in your heart, any grievance against anyone, any slander? It was privily said, not publicly now, just in private. Let the Lord search you. Let Him wash you clean tonight. Praise God. We worship you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord God. Pass by this way tonight, Adonai. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord God. We give all that we are, our strength, our pride, our right to defend ourselves. We give that to you too. We give our perception of what we think ought to be done against our enemies. We give that to you, Lord. We bless your name. We worship you. Sing it, Harry. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. We need you, Lord. How many needs him? Right, right now, sing it with all your heart, children. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, I need you, Lord. Lord. Right, right now, oh, I do, sweet Jesus. Oh, lift our hands. Bow our knees.
prepared your throne. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. Oh, I need you, finished up her third treatment today this treatment's been pretty hard on her of course physically left her kind of jittery and shaky and really really weak in her body would you mind if we pray for it tonight before we go thank you for praying for Liz she's feeling better but still needs a touch from the Lord so many I'm hearing from from around the world I can't even remember them all 
But let's just pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Heavenly Fathers, I bow my head before you tonight. I don't do it to be selfish, but Lord, because they're so near to my heart, my daughters. Lord, you see that Liz has been sick and she's feeling better, but she's still not well, Lord. I pray that you'd move forward tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God go there to her tonight, Lord. Bring healing to her, Lord Jesus. Father, you see Erica finishing up today her fifth round of treatments, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Left her very weak and shaky, Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus, as the children of God, we ask you on her behalf that you would help her, Lord. Dear God, I think of Brother Ray Montgomery in the hospital, Lord, with COVID. I think of Brother Randy Babb being sick. Think, Lord, of so many different ones now that comes to my mind, my heart. Jesus, be merciful to us. Father, you see this thing is picking up even in the numbers and our communities around us. Oh, Lord God, we ask for your mercy. God, be merciful to us. Be mindful of us, Lord. Help us, I pray, dear God, this evil thing, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, would you bring deliverance, Father? Puts us in a very difficult situation, Lord, knowing that we're living in the end time and diseases that's going to come on the earth and germ warfare and all these things that's been said that will happen. Sometimes we don't know exactly even how to word our prayers and asking. Father, we know the judgment of God hangs above our nation, but Lord, we feel safe in praying this way for the sake of your people. Lord God, I remember after David had been gone for many, many years and you were still making reference to him for David's sake. I will not do this or this. For David's sake, I will not do this or that. Be mindful of your bride, Lord. Be mindful of us, Lord God. Help us through these times, Father. Strengthen your children. Lord, my heart goes out to those that love to be here. Father, they got sicknesses and underlying things or just afraid to get out in public, Lord. I pray you'd help them. Many of them, Lord, I know I hear, hear from them and get cards and letters and pray for them over the phone. And Lord, they're feeling so left out and they're feeling so alone and shut in. God, I pray you'd be mindful of them, Lord. May you visit them. May you help them, Lord. May you strengthen them during these times, God. Lord, we know that that message the prophet preached and he entitled it, the invisible union of the bride of Jesus Christ. Part of our visible pattern has been broken, Lord, and since March or whatever it was. But, oh God, we have an invisible union that COVID, sickness, and death can never break. Keep us together, Lord, in one purpose, one heart, one unity to serve you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord. See you Sunday if y'all still want me to preach. I was going to anyway, but I just... Appreciate that tonight, don't we? Appreciate our song tonight. Appreciate the service that we had. Let's sing this together, you know, children being obedient. I want to be obedient.
Lead me, Lord, I'll follow. Anywhere you open the door, let's sing that together. Let's start with that chorus. Day star. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow.
that course as you go tonight. Let your love shine through me in the night. 